Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Pastor Rob Santiago in a message entitled, We Are No Longer Our Own. Now, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount and then check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. Enjoy this message. Hey, man, I'm excited to be in the house of God tonight. Amen. You know, I walked in here, I, I, lately what I've been doing is when I walk in here, I look to see how many people are in here. You know, and I look to see like, are we full today? What's, how many people are here? And it gets us very excited when you're here in person. It gets us very excited to see that. And on Wednesdays recently, it just seems like it's been packed all the way to the back row. But when I got in here today, I was a little concerned. So I was like, wait a minute, the the back row, there's, it's not full. And then I started looking around and I see the cafe's full. And then like this, like the second song of worship, I look back and now it's full in here. And you just know that our church, man, we just love to connect. I know people are connecting before service and people are just getting ready to, just to worship God. And, and, and I just love that about my church right now. And it's because of you guys. It's because you could be anywhere else on a Wednesday night, but you decided to be here with us. And so we thank you. And for those of you joining us online, thank you so much for remaining committed, staying online and, and just encouraging us. We see those comments as you put them in there. And, and for all of you here in person, God bless you guys, man. We're just, we're just excited to see this revival and see what God's going to do. Amen. So before I get ready to preach to you guys, I just want to pray. If you would just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to speak your word. Father, I ask that every heart and every mind in this place would be filled with your presence, that your spirit would be felt throughout this place, that your word would be listened to and understood, Lord. I pray that you would just begin to move across, across everyone watching online and that's here in person. We thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. I'm going to say it again. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your Body, And what I want you to get out of that is Paul is giving us instruction that we are no longer our own. That is the title of today's sermon, okay? We are no longer our own. In other words, when we accepted Jesus and you begin to say, God, I want you in my life, you had to turn away from your old ways. Recently, I got to teach PCBI for the past six weeks. Oh, thank you for that. And as I'm, as I'm studying God's word and, pre- and prepping for these classes, salvation was just the, the doctrine of salvation was just speaking to me. And as I stumbled upon 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, what I just read to you, you do not belong to yourself, just kept ringing in my ears. So when I got asked, hey, can you preach? I said, yes, I know exactly what I'm going to preach on. I'm going to preach on salvation. Because when you accepted Christ, you are a new person. You do not go back to your old ways. You do not go back to your old friends sometimes. Your family needs to see a change in you. Not just a, you know, a one foot in, one foot out Christian. But there needs to be a change because 
when you accepted Christ, you accepted his righteousness into your heart. So when that righteousness is in your heart, there is no longer sin that is supposed to be next to that righteousness. Some of us begin to fill our hearts continually with sin rather than the word of God, which provides the righteousness that we need for our salvation. I remember I got into a little, a little conversation with a friend at work, and he said, well, I'm a good person. I said, yeah, you are, dude. You're great. Love you. You, you know, I, I trust you. You know, like we're friends. You're a good person. I get it. Yeah, but I don't need to go to church all the time like you do. I said, okay, this is a little, this got a little, little personal now, right? He goes, I follow all the Ten Commandments. I go, me too. So now we're in like a, a little battle, right? Like, yeah, I, I do the same thing, right? And he's all, yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm gonna be in heaven too, and I, I don't have to go to church all the time. And I'm like, well, you do realize that the Ten Commandments really have nothing to do with salvation, it's just a beginning state. See, it was put there to identify sin so we could stay away from it. I'm glad you're staying away from sin, but what have you done with Jesus? So we begin to talk about heaven, right? He's all, well, I don't want to go to hell and this and that. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to go to hell either. So yeah, we're in agreement, right? I go, but you know, scripture, scripture tells us, you know, it kind of identifies, you, you don't serve Jesus so you can just avoid hell. That's, that's kind of a a slippery motive. You, you, you serve Jesus because you love him and you want to be with him. And, and so when I begin to tell him this, it, it just wasn't clicking because the perspective is I want to avoid hell. So therefore, my other option is, oh, it's you, Jesus. All right, cool. I'll, I'll stand over here. But in, in reality, guys, your perspective should be, I don't, I don't want to go to hell, but first and foremost, I just want to be with the Lord. It's not because the motive of, I just want to avoid hell. It's because I want to be with Jesus and I want to worship with him. I want to be in his courts. I want to be in his presence. I want to be with the cherubim singing his name, right? I want to be able to see Peter at the gates. And when I walk through those gates, I want to act like I've been there before. Like it's not surprising me because it's all in the scripture. Not that it's foreign, right? See, some of us will be like, oh, look at heaven. Not me. I'm going to be like, yeah, I've read about this. Let's go. Where's my mansion? You act like you've been there before. Yeah, this is the kingdom I've been waiting for. I've seen this in Revelation chapter two, the throne room of God, right? You start to see all these things. It's like, I know this. And that is what salvation is. You begin to know God's word. You begin to reflect upon his goodness, his greatness. And you want to be in his presence continually. See, hell's a real place. Don't get me wrong. But you should want to be with Jesus, not just to avoid hell, but because you love him and you want to be with him. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 19, it says, now therefore you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. And then Paul teaches us even further about salvation. In Romans chapter eight, verse nine, he says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. So your spirit, the spirit of God is what we're trying to obtain. See, when we 
accept Jesus, we are now justified. He's given us his grace. But then we move in, and I, I believe Victor Danridge and Pastor Omar touched on this. Then we move into a phase of sanctification. That, that phase of sanctification is you being holy. You getting rid of all that sin. You completely changing yourself. You know, I, I, you know what I love when I see a brother get saved, and it's happened in this church a lot. And you know, you meet them, and they're you know they're a little rough around the edges, kind of repping their hood a little bit. But when they get saved, what I love the most, right, is you know they used to look like this, and then a couple weeks later, they're smiling a little bit more. Their shoulders are back. There's a confidence. And now all of a sudden, their demeanor is changing. So now they're, now they're experiencing something different. There's a, a real transformation. And it's almost as if the transformation looks physical. They have transformed so much from the, per, from the old person that they were, the old nature, that now it almost looks like a different person. And their family doesn't know how to handle that. Their family's like, well, look at this guy. He's going to church now. He thinks he's better. This guy didn't even say anything. He just walked through the door, but the presence of God is giving them fear, so therefore they're gonna talk about him. That is true transformation. It's part of it, right? Your family, man, they can get mad at you when you say, that. well, yeah, you know, I go to mass. It's like, well, I go to church, church. I go to spirit-filled church. It's completely different. Let me pull you aside and talk to you, right? But we are not our own. And now we, are, we belong to Christ. He paid that price. And so, you know, really, what does that mean? Well, we belong to Jesus. And, and there's, a t there, there's a heavy topic I want to address with you tonight. And it's about your identity. See, because our identity, now that we're with Jesus, we, we have to question our identity. I just talked about true transformation, right? But now, where does that put your identity? Where does that put you in the kingdom of God? See, we have to live a submitted life, a whole submitted life, not partial, but it has to be a whole life submitted to Christ. It means your desires, your hobbies, right, should not be the priority. Your desires should be changing. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this so you can check your own temperature, your spiritual temperature tonight, okay? But your desires should want to change a little bit. You shouldn't want to go to those parties, hang out with those friends, do those old hobbies, spend all your money on this. You should want to turn into this spiritual, mature being that Christ intended you to be. We fall into this trap of forcing an identity on ourselves. We start to look at our career and begin, our career begins to define us. I remember when I, I you know, um, I, I watched a video of a famous basketball player. This was recently. And I know who he was right off the bat. I, I love basketball. And so this guy comes up to him, random guy. He's in this really nice car, this famous basketball player. And this random guy comes up to him, has no idea who he is. And the first thing he asks is, what do you do for a living? You have a very nice car. And, and the basketball player just goes, well, Bitcoin. Right? Like he's just joking around with the guy. But again, we like to identify, we like to identify other people by their career. We like to identify ourselves by our career. And if we're not, if we're not you know, careful, we be, become a victim of our identity, meaning your past begins to identify who you are. And then you're walking not in an identity with Christ, but now you begin to walk 
with a past of things that have happened to you. And then the enemy starts to use that against you because you're very vulnerable about your past. I am, I know I am. I'm just being transparent tonight. But your past defines who you are sometimes. But in your, with your identity in Christ, it shouldn't do that. See, we develop a fabricated identity rather than a God-given identity. We begin to compare ourselves to our friends at church. Well, so-and-so got to teach and so-and-so is, you know, is a great prophetess or prophet and, and so-and-so. And then we would say, well, I want to be like that too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to start doing those things. Rather than you looking in the word of God, seeking God and looking for that and asking God, what gift do you want me to, to have? Where do you want me in the church? Where do you want me in society? What is my gift, Lord? We chase certain speakers. Oh, this, this man of God or this woman of God, I gotta listen. I gotta listen to them. I gotta listen to them. Stop chasing these speakers and these gifts. It scares me a little bit. I, it's okay. I have I have. I have speakers I love to listen to, right? But I tell myself, look, if you're listening to them more than you're reading God's word, then you're just, you're just yeah, you're just looking at, you're just looking at somebody that, that kind of gets you excited. But really, what, what I like about it is we, we look at sermons and we look at people that are performing different things. And let me tell you something, it's all supplemental. We have the original word of God. It, but, but some of us don't even open that. We, we wait for the latest book of our favorite author instead or the next YouTube series that comes out from your favorite speaker. I'm not saying it's bad to listen to those things, but I'm saying if you're not opening up your word of God and that's all you're doing is having a social media spiritual life, then you're probably gonna look at yourself and say, I don't know what my identity is. Some of those people are anointed and God gave them that specific thing for them. And it's amazing, but it is supplemental. The word of God should be first. Your identity in Christ is so much greater than the one that you're trying to fabricate sometimes. In John chapter 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was a word and the word was with God and the word was God. In other words, if we want to be like God, we get next to his word. We get next to his teachings, his understandings. You want to learn about Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 through 8, it says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another say, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants to whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God, only God, makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. We need to stop chasing things and start working in the kingdom of God. So don't water your spirit with just supplemental teachings when you have the original writings. I'm, I fear for, for the church sometimes that we're not reading the word of God enough. Rather, we're just living the social media spirituality where, yeah, it's great. We can be edified by those things, but those are of a moment. 
We're talking about a lifestyle. We're talking 24-7, not a 15-second clip on Instagram. But 24-7, the word should be open on your desk. It should be somewhere in your house where you have it open and you could just look at it real quick. You're having a bad day, someone, you know, cussed you out on the telephone, you turn on the Bible like, okay, I'm, I'm in God's grace, I'm all right. God's on the throne. I'm not gonna let this person ruin my day and give me anxiety. You shouldn't go to social media and be like, oh man, I need, to, I need to hear something from my favorite speaker. It's like, man, we're missing the boat if that's what we're doing. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 21. So then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, they're all yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. There's a righteousness in you. Why am I telling you this? Because what I want you to understand something. You could read God's word and he could speak to you. Some of the greatest moments I've had in my spiritual walk has been alone reading scripture. I thank God for that. There are times I, I actually fell asleep on my Bible. And I'm like, what is this? Per like, what did I turn into? And this was early on when I accepted Christ. Like, what, did I, what is happening to me? I used to be able to open up God's word. I, I, I couldn't stop reading it. That's because God is trying to do something inside of me. If you would just open it up and begin to read his word, you will see that that identity that you're looking for is right in front of you. God is trying to mold and shape you, not the person that is, at, that is on social media trying to shape you, but rather God is shaping you. We gotta stop waiting for a sermon or a moment. We need to go study the things of God. I was like that one time. I was like, man, I need a word from God. So every time a prophet came to church, I was in the front row. I was like, oh, I'm going to get that word today. I went, I did, I did that for like six years, never got a word. Never got a word, man. Doesn't work like that. When I realized, you just got to open up your Bible. You can just get a word right away. We shouldn't wait for a sermon. We shouldn't wait for a moment. We should just go get it. We got to go get it. Spend time in God's word to get your true, true identity. And if we don't focus our identity towards Jesus and his word, we'll fall back into a victim mentality. And I want to talk about that for just a moment. See, when you accepted Christ, you have become, you've allowed a king in your life. Meaning, the things that have happened in your past, they should no longer control you. They should no longer define who you are. I'm not telling you to forget about your testimony, but I'm telling you sometimes we carry the most negative things on our shoulders and Christ is trying to pick up our chin and we're not allowing it. We can sulk in our, in our depressions and our anxieties, which I've struggled with in my own life. And it wasn't until I said, I have a king inside of me that could get rid of this. I have a righteousness inside of me that God gave me that I could get rid of this. I could get rid of all these feelings. I can get rid. I don't have to be identified by my past anymore. It does not define me. So instead of us having this victim identity where we're walking in and it's physically people could see it. That's a problem. That's a problem when you could, when people are at church and say, well, there's something wrong or something going on. It's okay to go through things. I'm not saying you can't. 
but don't let it ruin your spirituality. When you should walk through the doors with a victory mindset, you should be, you should be saying, I am going to have victory today against this problem. God, I know I'm going through this. I got a bad report. I have been messed up. I haven't been in my word, but I'm going to claim victory today and I'm going to worship God because my worship team is playing. My pastor's preaching. I'm going to do whatever I can to get this victory mindset so I'm not walking around as a victim like I'm defeated. See, a lot of believers today have an identity crisis because they choose to be a victim of their past rather than choose a victory with Christ. Yeah, I said choose. You could choose to do that. It's a choice. You have to set it free. You have to say, you know what? I'm not taking this anymore. This has controlled me too much. Sometimes we've had, we add this stress on us. In Galatians chapter 3, 29, it says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You know, the promise is the kingdom. This is the Abrahamic covenant that, that Paul's talking about here. You are an heir to that. I can imagine the Israelites, right? In the, as they're going through the desert, as they're going through all these things, they begin to have that victim mentality. When's God gonna save me? When is he gonna help us? And they had to rely on, on Moses and Joshua to say, hey, stop it. We gotta remain faithful. And that's the, that's the crux of the whole Old Testament. We gotta remain faithful. Don't think that God has abandoned you. And so they, when they get these, these, these opportunities of hope, it begins to propel them to fulfill God's will. And those, that's the attitude we need to carry. That is an attitude of victory saying, look, I know I'm going through this, but I'm gonna have victory over it. We are no longer our own. See, church, a lot of people say, well, how do we avoid this identity crisis? I'm gonna give you some things to, to kind of help prepare you for that. You need to prepare for everything in the kingdom. See, we're everywhere. Well, social media has got us everywhere. Oh, you need to read this book. You need to listen to this guy. You need to make sure you watch this podcast. Okay, look at what this said on YouTube. And your friends are sending you all these things, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. The Holy Spirit, this is great. But honestly, you just need to begin to prepare for everything in the kingdom. And you're probably like, well, what is that? How do you do that, right? You live a life of preparation. You begin to tell yourself, okay, I need to pray now for circumstances and spiritual battles that are going to happen in the future. Not say, oh, okay, I'm gonna wait till something happens. Oh, I gotta go pray. Or I need to call, I need to call my friend real quick so they can pray for me. So like, you should be prayed up already. You should be here on Saturday morning already at our prayer service. You should be in there as, as before, you know, an hour before service in our prayer room. You should be praying already. There's people that come to me like, I have asked them like, Hey, brother, can you, Pastor, can you pray for me? Uh, yeah, but did you pray? Uh, no, I was waiting for you. Like, well, well, I'm not the one that's going to fix it. You know, you and God are going to fix that. You know, again, we wait for people sometimes and we're not preparing. So you may not know your identity, but you could live a life with an attitude of preparation. So you say, what do I do now? I mean, I, I've accepted Christ. I don't know what to do with my life. Like I could do so many things. Absolutely. But you just worry about preparation. So how do you do that? You stay in God's word and you serve in his church. You stay in God's word and you serve in his church. When you're serving in the church, you get introduced to many things. You get introduced to people that are going along a path just like you are. 
You get introduced to how to serve, how to love other people. These are basic fundamental truths that you need to allow in your life. When God wants to move in your life, it will not be foreign to you if you're doing these things. I remember uh, somebody, you know, we, we're a spirit-filled church, amen? And so when, when the spirit's moving, people walk in like, what's going on? This isn't like my Catholic church I went to down the street. This is the different type of church. What's going on? Why are people dancing? Why are they screaming? Why are they, why are they doing it? Why is it so long? What's going on? Like, why is it, right? And you start to think, and it's like it's foreign to them. It's like, hey, do you read your Bible? It tells you you're supposed to worship. You know, and that's what we're doing. And, and again, sometimes we look at things, we're like, it's foreign to us. And then when you know what we say? We just say, we don't like it. Oh, I don't like the church. I don't like that the church does that. You know, that's not really for me. You know, I like this church over there because they do that. That's better. You know, but what this church is doing here is foreign. I said, it's scripture. All right, everything we do in this church is scriptural. Okay, I'm gonna tell you right now, those of you online, everything we do in this church is scriptural. I wanna talk to you a little bit about Samuel. This is gonna be a a nice long chunk of of verses I wanna read to you. But Samuel's mother dedicated Samuel, okay, to the Lord. He dedicated him. And Samuel had this, he got this, honestly, it's like a really cool gig, okay? But he's young. And and one of the gigs is he's gonna be next to the Ark of the Covenant, helping Eli, the priest. So Samuel would just do everything Eli kind of told him. He was a young guy. He loved the Lord, but it was clear that he didn't understand everything. But he was there to serve. And I I love this story because Eli, see, Eli was kind of like, I'm going to help Samuel, this and that. But Eli's kids were kind of a mess. Do you know the story? And the scriptures we read right now, you're going to see that. But Eli's kids are a mess and it's furiating God because they had so much wickedness inside of them. But Samuel, Samuel is like this innocent little kid who's getting ready for the things that Eli tells him to do. And so I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. And we're going to read this together. And I'm going to, read, I'm going to try to read it a little quickly because it's a lot. But the whole story is here. And it's a really easy read. Okay, so 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It's, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lied down. Again, the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Verse seven, now Samuel, sorry, now Sam, sorry, I got, I got, I messed up my iPad already. Look at that. Now Samuel, verse seven, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. This is very important. I'm gonna read it again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, but the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. 
So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in, in his place. The Lord came and stood, stood there calling as, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it about it tingle. And at that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about his son's blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. So God's very upset at Eli and his sons. And he gives a word to this boy. Verse 14, therefore I swore to the house of Eli that the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel laid down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord and he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be, be it ever so severely if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So there are several things I want you to get out of this. See, Samuel found his identity. He became a prophet that day. But there was a certain way that that took place. See, the Bible was specific in verse seven when it said, now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So Samuel worked and served the Lord even though he he did not understand it all. See, a lot of us are saying, well, I got to know this. I got to know that. Then I'll serve the church. I got to know this. I got to do that. I got to know what God wants to do with my life before I give it all to him. No, you don't need to know any of that. As a matter of fact, Samuel didn't know any of that, but he stayed there. And I can only imagine he's him sleeping by the ark in the presence of the Lord, sleeping right there as a lamp. The Bible says that the lamp's had not gone out yet. So that means it was in the middle of the night because it would burn from evening to morning. And so in the middle of the night, he was awakened. And that's when he started to see. And, he, and he, what did he do? He began to say, Eli, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. And it happened three times. Eli, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. Then Eli tells him, you know, you need, you need to listen to me, right? You, you, need, you need to really listen to what God is telling you because you need, that's him talking to you. So when he comes to you, you need to say your servant is here. So the other thing is Samuel did not know God's voice, but God still had a plan for him. You may be sitting there like, why do people hear God's voice? Why do people hear his voice? How come I don't hear his voice? You know, I'm not gonna do anything until I hear God's voice. Again, you're waiting for a moment. You're waiting for a sermon when in reality, God already has his plan for you. You're waiting for him, but he's waiting for you. And, 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 and again, you're looking in the wrong places. See, Samuel did not know God's voice, but still had a plan 
for him. God still had this whole plan for Samuel and he didn't even know his voice. See, sometimes we lack patience. I like this word patience because it opens up this whole theological concept. We expect God to move on our time. We expect God to just begin to move on our time only. Then you, do not know, then you don't know the Lord. You don't know that in the Old Testament, that 40 years is 40 years. Okay, that's a long time. Imagine you not having a place to lay your head for 40 years. Think about that for just a moment. That's how God operates, right? So we start to say, well, you know, I'm tired of waiting for God. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go get this spiritual gift. I'm gonna go learn. I'm gonna go take this class. I'm gonna go do it. And you start doing all these things. It's like, okay, wait a minute. God wants to do something in you. Why don't you just relax a little bit, serve in the church, begin to read your word, listen to your leaders, right? Because God has placed people in your life face to face, God put people in your life face to face that are going to disciple you. Just like Eli was discipling Samuel. See, the other thing is, it was in silence and in his presence that the Lord began to speak to Samuel. Nobody else was around. He was, in, he was having this, it was like this moment where he's just kind of watching. He's just kind of waiting. He was, you know, resting. And it was a silent moment. God began to speak to him. One of the biggest things I've learned in my walk is sometimes you have to be quiet during prayer. You know, some of us, we have, you know, we pull out our, our long prayer list. We begin to look at it up and down, right? And that's great. You're supposed to pray for it and intercede for others. Absolutely. But, you know, there, there's, a, there's a moment in prayer where God wants to connect just with you. And you have to be silent. Sometimes you just got to think about his goodness, meditate on him, you know, and just be silent and say, God, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear your voice because I know there's something you want to tell me. And that's the discipleship you want. The discipleship you want comes from the Holy Spirit. You begin to invite these moments with the Holy Spirit into your life where he begins to mold you and shape you into the person you need to be. The other thing was Samuel was obedient to his leader. The moment he heard something, he was like, okay, Eli needs me. And he did it three times. He was obedient. See, sometimes your leaders, your pastors, you need to listen. You need to just listen. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you pull your leader or your pastor aside. You're doing all the talking. He's not doing anything. They're not doing anything. It's like, there, you know, sometimes you just need to listen. You need to listen to the words of wisdom because God is using people right in front of you that he's put in your life to connect with you. Amen. It's, it's again, church, it's, it's one of those things that I get scared about. It's like, yeah, we want to say all these problems. It's like, hey, you know, we've been talking for about an hour. I haven't really said much. And I want to give you some instruction. You know, it's like, you need, we need to listen. You know, or how about when, when, when pastor's preaching on Sunday, put your phone away, turn it off. Unless you're taking notes, shouldn't even be on. Put that thing in airplane mode. Take some notes. Don't get distracted with stuff. Sometimes we're, we're looking at our phone like, you missed the whole point of, of a sermon that, that, that the man prepared for, for the, you know, all week so you could hear it. 
but instead you got a notification about your bank account, now you're all worried. <laughs> and the answer was right there at the pulpit. Trust in the Lord, right? You need to be obedient. See, obedience, obedience isn't just doing like, okay, you know, pastor told me to do this, I gotta do that. No, obedience is listening. You need to listen. So when your pastor or your leader tell you something, don't get all tough, right? You just get like, oh, I can't even, they told me that, this and that. I'm, I'm spiritual too, you know, I, I have this authority. You know, I get it, you know, I, I've been told, I've been told on the internet that I have authority. Let me tell you something. I'm going to be candid with you. The authority that God put in your life is the ultimate authority. God's going to use that person to minister to you. Sometimes I, I think we, we forget, like, our leaders and, and pastors, our leaders here, our pastors here, we're here to help. We're not here to steer you the wrong way. What do you, like, I get joy out of that. Like, look what they're going through. You know, it's like, we don't get joy out of that. As a matter of fact, we sometimes carry those burdens. Your leaders sometimes carry those burdens, church. You know, we begin to pray like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling it. Like I feel bad for this person. Let me pray with them. Let me, let me pray for them on Saturday in my prayer time. Let me pray for them. Let me care, help carry and shoulder these burdens. Lord, we put them at your feet. Bless that brother or sister for what the decisions they have to make. So I'm going to invite the worship team if they can come up. I'm going to close with this. Church, his ways are not our ways. And you are not your own. You have completely dedicated your life to God. I'm talking to those that have completely done it. And maybe you're sitting there and you're like, well, I haven't completely done that. If, if, if you examine your life, you're, you're probably realizing, I haven't completely done that. I, I don't know, Rob, I don't know what, you know, what you're, what you're talking about exactly. I haven't done all that. I, I'm still doing the old things, you know? And, and let me tell you something. You need to be looking for that transformation in your life. In Galatians chapter four, verse one, it says, so we too, when we were children, were held in bondage under the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, un, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Maybe you're hearing that for the first time, that when you accept Christ, you begin to find your identity but you have to make a choice. You have to make the choice to put aside your old desires, put aside the old nature that you had. See, some of us are keeping little features of that old nature. We don't wanna let go of it in fear of what it's gonna bring in our life. When you accept Christ, accountability begins to take place. True change begins to take place. And the kingdom, though it rejoices, you're just beginning. See, I'm not talking about just following the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about loving Jesus even more tonight. We could all be good people. I believe every single person in here is good. But what I don't believe, 
What I don't believe is that every person is in love with Jesus. And we need to fall in love with him. His ways are not our ways and you are not on or you you are not your own anymore. Complete abandonment of your old self. So maybe you're here and and you say, "You know, Pastor Rob, I, I I've never accepted Jesus Christ before in my life." And I'm telling I'm here to tell you you need to make that declaration. That's the start of it. And so if there's anyone out there that is saying, you know what, I haven't accepted Jesus, I'd like the opportunity, I want you just to lift your hands. Is there anyone at all? Just raise your hands if there's anyone that says, you know what, I haven't accepted Jesus. Amen. I, you know, I believe that God wants to do a work in people's lives. And it, it's opportunities like this that put us in the right path. Maybe you're experiencing things that, that you know what, you... you, you You've just had bad luck lately, or you know, you're, you're feeling like every you're feeling abandoned, you're not loved, or you're feeling depressed or anxiety. Christ wants to take those things from you and instill joy, his righteousness, his peace into your life. And I'm not telling you just to accept Christ's declaration. I'm saying, you know what? Maybe you say, I want to fall in love with Jesus tonight. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hands. Is there anyone at all? Just lift your hands. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to put you on a hot seat or tell you to share anything with us. It's just an opportunity for you to receive Christ in your life. Is there anyone at all? Is there anyone at all? Amen. Well, then I'm, I'm speaking to the church now because we're not done. Earlier, I talked about an identity. You may be sitting there and saying, you know what, Rob, I don't, I don't understand. I, I'm confused when it comes to my spiritual identity. I don't know where I belong in the church. I don't know, um, you know, I, I, I just don't have a lot of friends. I, I'm not fitting in or I feel like I'm doing going down the wrong path. And you're confused because of your identity in Christ. And you're saying, you know what, I haven't fallen, you know, I've fallen away from that love. And I've maybe have walked away from Jesus. And you want to rededicate your life or you want to fall deeper in love with him. I want you to lift your hand. Is there anyone at all? I think there's one hand back there. God bless you. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? I see that hand right up here. God bless you. You can put your hand down. One over here. God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? I don't want to pass up this opportunity. See, we may be feeling that way now, but we don't have to feel that way later. Jesus wants to do a work inside of you. And maybe you're, maybe you're just out there and you're, you're lost and you're saying, you know what? I need to be up there. If you're telling yourself you need to be up here, I want you to lift your hands. Anyone else? I don't want to pass up this opportunity to make this change in your life. Amen. So those of you that raised your hand, can you just look up at me? Did you mean that? Amen. Did you mean that over there? Amen. Just do one more thing for me. Why don't you come to the front? We're not going to embarrass you. I want you to just come to the front. Let's. Uh, we're just going to have some folks pray with you. Amen. God bless you. Anyone else? I know there's a few more. We got one coming down here. Amen. We got one right here. God, God bless you. Amen. We're going to have some brothers and sisters pray for you guys right there. Church, I also want to, I also want to reach out to those that maybe, you know what? You're not where you should be. Maybe you've tried to take back your life and say, you know what, Jesus, this isn't working out. I'm not, I'm only going to give you partial 
of my life. If that's you, I want you to come to the front. Just come to the front. You're saying, you know what? I haven't given 100%. I've only given a partial and I'm trying to take back. I'm trying to take back what I gave to Jesus. I'm not in a good place. I want you just to begin to come to the front. This is a time between you and God. A time for you to begin to tell him, you know what? I want to be back in your presence. I want to understand where you want me. I want to, I want to fill your presence daily, Lord. Begin to reach out to him right now where you're at. Begin to talk to him and begin to ask him, church. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.